He's Howard Ibaka, former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative breed. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with over 27 years of experience. Together, he and I are the Brief Brothers. We love talking about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. We are back, Henry, and it's good to see you back from your whoever you went hanging out with uh, Bill Murray. I don't know what that was all about, but it was good to have <laughs> you back. Uh, I was we, unavoidably detained. So. Unavoidably detained. And if you missed our last episode, that little inside joke means nothing to you. So you got to go back and watch the episodes. We are following up after a two-parter with our new friend, Sarah Walker-Hall. She's the author of a creative brief that I've been raving about for many, many years that she wrote for Kiwi Shoe Polish. Sarah is a senior uh, strategist with, the, with TRG, formerly the Richards Group. The first episode, we met her. The second episode, we dived in deep into the brief itself. Today, you and I are going to look at this brief for Kiwi, all 127 words, and talk about it from our perspective. We heard about it from hers before. Now you and I are going to do a, a, an examination. It is, I think, an amazing brief. We agree that there's no such thing as a perfect brief. This one's darn close. Let's take a look. Yep. So it's it's a good thing, I think, now in retrospect that I missed the episodes with her because I'm looking at this fresh. Yeah. And and, um, and I can give, you know, my unadulterated uh, gut reaction. That's good. Now, it's what, six, seven questions, but a little bit of background in case you missed the previous episodes. Um TRG, formerly the Richards Group, had pitched this business, the Kiwi Shoe Polish business, and just won it. So this was among the first couple of projects that they did, and it might have been the first. And the other reminder is, this is the one that I find so hard to believe, uh, Sarah had just had recently switched from brand management to account planning, and she'd worked on a, on a bunch of different accounts, but this was her first create a brief as a professional. She had never written one before. But this one that we're looking at here is actually not her first draft. It's a number of drafts later that she and actually rewrote it from scratch. She tossed her original draft uh, and started over after she had done some personal field work. She got grabbed her camera, went out to a local mall and was asking guys to let her take pictures of their shoes as she was trying to figure out how to go about this brief and th their interaction with her at that experience, at that field research, changed her entire thinking about this brief. She tossed this draft, the original draft out and rewrote this draft. I think she devoted about eight to 10 hours to doing the this draft. And this is now the, the, the draft that became the basis for the campaign. The campaign itself was an award-winning campaign. And this brief part of a case study, uh, got an honorable mention or a second place in another award show. So this brief and the campaign itself has a lot of history. Uh, Sarah said that the work for the campaign is still displayed on the walls at their office 20 years later. So there's a lot of pride that goes into this. Um, my first reaction, the thing I like first, let me just start by saying the part of this brief I love probably the most is actually part of the template. It's on every brief. And I think they're still using this. They might've changed it a little bit, but they're still using it. It's this part here. I'm gonna kind of highlight it. This, this is the template. 
People don't like ads. People don't trust ads. People don't remember ads. What will make this one different? This is like a taunt to the brief writer. This is a little two by four over the head. What are we going to do to make this product or service special? I, I love that. Henry, you've had a chance to you know look at this once, maybe a little bit now, a second time. What are your first impressions of the brief? So first of all, I agree with you. I love having that quote at the top. I actually, in the draft, in the brief template that I use now, I have a quote from Paul Feldwick. Yeah, about uh, um so that's i i i guess kind of the idea of before you even get into the brief what's the mood you want to set with the creatives that are going to receive this brief um and what's the mindset you want them to be in and mine is also a little bit of inspiration about oh, uh, cr what creativity is the artistry that we use to make brands uh famous so uh, i have that so I, I love that as well. I, you know, uh, I was stunned. You've been talking about this brief for a long time. I don't think it was in the first draft of your book. No. Uh, so I, I really hadn't examined it. Um, and I'm looking at it and if it's her first brief, right. And it is what it tells us is, and from the conversation you had with her, that I edited, I could tell a very bright young woman, right? This is somebody who's intellectually working at a high level, which is important in a strategist. You, you know, you want smart people and people that are perceptive. Um, your anecdote about her going to the mall um, to do, you know, some basic field work to me is something that we've harped about all the time right about get out there in the real world where consumers are buying or using the product in this case they weren't using the product but it was kind of she wanted to to talk with them um and and she got out of that what essentially was an insight even though this template doesn't have a box for insight in fact you could argue the single-minded proposition here where it says the single most persuasive idea we can convey is sort of an insight mm -hmm. but but i i think and i was kind of just in my mind thinking about uh what the insight and the insight that she discovered while she was doing the research is that men have a double standard when it comes to their shoes right um i think the idea was and it's it's, it's explained here in the um what they currently think that they know having shine shoes is important like when you're dr really dressed up but on a day-to-day -day, they're not so it's kind of like they're they're lazy about it so they have a double standard so that's very insightful and even though it's not on the brief it is what informed the brief her discovery that men kind of they knew but they were willing to let it slide um uh, that how much the shoes uh, made made a difference so obviously the thing that jumps out at you immediately is the brevity of this brief. Mm -hmm. There's not a extra wasted word and there's not a single piece of jargon. There's no, no. industry jargon. This is, I'm an everyday person talking to an everyday person about everyday people 
and their shoes, which is an everyday object, you know, and that plainness of it makes the brilliance of it, I think, stand out even more, right? Like when you get things like, you know, why are we advertising? You could talk about, and I've done it, create mental availability and blah, blah, blah. And we could, you know, because we want to raise awareness because uh, to encourage men to think more about the state of their shoes and what that says about them. So it's not even, we're not even selling them here. We're, we know, and I think that this does kind of go along with some of the marketing science that we know. Kiwi is synonymous with men's shoe polish. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, can you, can you even name another polish? None. None. So Kiwi as an industry leader here, this is category advertising, mm -hmm. right? This mm -hmm. is, she's saying, what do we, we want men to think more about the state of their shoes, because obviously they're going to buy shoe polish and obviously they're going to buy our shoe polish. So there's implications that aren't necessarily explicit in the brief and they don't have to be explicit in the brief. Right. Right. Like if somebody challenged, if I were her and somebody challenged me, says, it doesn't say Kiwi here. Are we going to sell Kiwi? But we're the, we know marketing science tells us that um, category advertising always benefits the, the, the leader of the category. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's brilliant. Who are we talking to? Men who take pride in their look and feel their appearance is a direct, reflection on themselves so there's no age demographic here there's not I mean, why are we going to limit it to men 25 to 54 like why couldn't a 19 year old call? we're targeting here an attitude a belief right a way of life and so we're saying there are men uh, and who knows and i don't know in this case a lot of times beneath that there's a mountain of research Right. That's like, exactly what I say. That's exactly how I set this up. That mountain of research, the, it's almost as if the strategist like you, Henry, doing your job saying, I've got this pile of research on my desk. Creatives, if you want to go through it, knock yourself out. And what, what do I say as a creative? This is all I need. Yeah. This is hard, brilliant. hard pass. This is this is a brilliant synopsis of all that that pile. This is all I need. And and it doesn't have, again, the artificial limitations of it has to be a... So the only limitations here is that it's men, right? Because this is a men's shoe polish. Well, and hang on a sec. What You could be talking to women. You could be the, the women well, who care about their guys, the mom who cares about the son, who knows the son cares about his shoes. It It is, I think, a vast majority of the target is, is men. But I don't think yeah. you can exclude women from this. You're right. But I think that that's the point is one target and we're going to create an ad that will appeal to those ancillary targets yes. pretty much by default, right? right? Because right. if it's important to the man and the mom wants to do something for the son, it's going to be important to her, right? right? So, right. Uh, you know, that's another, by the way, pitfall we talk about is, you know, you have to be choiceful in mm -hmm. writing a creative brief. And here in a way she's choiceful and in a way she's not she's choiceful because she's she's choosing this attitude 
but she's not being choiceful in the sense of I'm going to limit it to this age and I'm going to limit it to millennials or, you know, back then they wouldn't have been talking about millennials or they would have said Gen Xers or whatever. Like, right. it's not about that. Like you could be 88 or 16 if you share this attitude, which is what we care about. Well, we know what the research showed and I'm making it up in my head. What the research showed is that some men don't give a crap about the way they look. Some men care a lot about the way they look. And so those are the ones that we think we can convince. They're persuadable to use the parlance of our times. Yeah. They're, pers they're persuadable voters, right? They're exactly. persuadable consumers. So what, what I like to say when I use this brief to teach is, is walk away from the knee jerk negative reactions that, that most marketers tend to have when they see this brief. They say, where are, where are the KPIs? Where are the deliverables? Where's the budget? Where is that? All these, you know, what's the marketing objective? All these other things that they expect to see on a brief and look at the insight and the emotion and the inspirational qualities of this brief, because this is what creatives want and need the most. And think about how much time Sarah spent writing this brief, not just one draft, but two drafts. She threw one out. While you were talking, I, I, I was thinking, it's like, what is an art director going to do with your KPIs? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, as I like to say, when people ask me that, I say, look, I, I've worked in direct marketing and direct response for many years. I get it. KPIs are important, but I don't need to worry about a KPI until I've got an idea first. So, so what I would do if, if somebody, maybe you, can steal this if you want when next time somebody says where are the kpis say first of all what's an art director going to do with some kpis secondly <laughs> what do you think will happen to the brand's kpis if we achieve what it says here if we encourage men to think more about the state of their shoes if we are successful in that kpi right of encouraging men to if what do you think that's going to do to the brand's numbers and kpi because at the end that's this is what drives that right right and and the other thing that we we always forget is that a branding campaign like this and this is this was an outdoor campaign a branding campaign like this is going to have a long term it's going to require a long-term commitment to doing these kinds of campaigns before it's going to have any direct impact in other words if you were to stop doing this campaign, let's say the campaign launched, uh, you know, two years ago, and it's been out there for two years, if you stopped the campaign today, you're not going to see a drop in sales next week. No, you're going to, you might not see a drop in sales for a couple of months, because it doesn't happen that quickly. And Only if it was on, a, and if it was on an upward trajectory, yeah, you might see it continue upward for a while. This is, you know, brand advertising is like steering an aircraft carrier with a small rudder. Like the changes yeah. that you're making are gradual over many miles, right? right? But the point is, the absence of it is the absence of your brand in the consumer's mind, right? And so, exactly. over time, that is going to be deleterious to to the brand. Um, but you know, this is a low. Like how frequently do you buy shoe polish, right? And we need to also go back 20 years, right? Um, 
to a time when men were more likely to wear shoes that required polishing. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to today, I, you know, I wear leather sandals everywhere. Right. And, we work from home, so we don't even have that requirement. No one ever it, sees our feet because we're on exactly. Zoom. <laughs> but in 2003, there was still a significant yeah. segment of the population that needed to get dressed for work. Yep. Um, you had to wear a shirt and tie. And so, but still, a can of shoe polish lasts a pretty long time. It's a l relatively low involvement category in which we're the... So where are we going to get our growth? We're going to get our growth from new users that maybe are not new, but infrequent users by driving their frequency and by alerting them to the fact that like, hey, this is something you should be dedicating a little bit of time to and obviously dedicating a little bit of our product to because you, right. the, I, I think the barrier, right, right, to using the product is the time that it takes. It's a, it's a chore like you to properly shine a shoe and and get it looking new and doing it well it takes some time and that's really the 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 drawback here but i think the point here is that it's worth it because yeah. if you if you think you're looking good and this is without me looking at the creative um i have it which edited we'll, which we'll look at in a, we'll look at that in a minute we, we saw it in the, in the previous episode but we'll look at it again yeah and and but you know it's worth it this you know, shining your shoes is, 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 is worth it. It's like the, is that's the impression that I'm getting right because of the single minded proposition. Mm -hmm. So you might not be looking down. Others are like your, your shoes are something I had. My first boss in advertising was like a freak about like, he thought of himself as like a personal guru to people. And he'd be like, Hey, your shoes, man, you, you got to shine those shoes, the shoes, aren't saying anything good about one time he had me one time he had me go talk to an art director to tell him that he should clean up the mess in his car <laughs> that's not this a, a girl that's a that's a busybody <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit but yeah that, that's that's what was that was but so yeah but i you know i this brief the interesting thing we mentioned doesn't have an insight there. It does have what we call a shift, right? Like what do they yep. currently think? What would we like them to think? Mm -hmm. All of those things you glean information, I would imagine as a creative from yes. them and they all work together. There's no, there's no repetition here. There's no redundancy. Um, as you said, the, the name Kiwi doesn't even come in until the evidence, right? The, the reasons to believe. So a, a a great job on her first time out. I could see why TRG has kept her around all these years and why she's yeah. a group uh, strategy head um, with them. Um, you know, TRG, by the way, legendary agency yeah. um, that's fallen on some hard times recently, but um, doesn't take away from all of the, the, the great stuff that they've done in the past. Yeah, exactly. So I think the lesson here for brief writers is is a number of things here, and you can add on if for something that if I've forgotten, Henry. Um, one is, as you've said, it is incredibly brief. It is not repetitive. It's inspirational. It's packed with insights without ever actually asking the question, what is the insight? And then the behind the, the scenes stuff, where we learn from, from Sarah in our conversation with her, the amount of work that she did, the amount of writing and rewriting, the, the the courage that that it took for her to throw a draft out and start over, 
And then the field work, just going out on our own to say, I want to see what's going on in the world. What are these guys saying about shoes, polishing their shoes, what they how they reflect on themselves? She put in an awful lot of work, again, for a product that's about that big that you don't buy every week. You might even buy one maybe just once a year, depending upon how often you buy you, you polish your shoes. So for a little, well, we call them widgets. Our job in advertising is to sell widgets. This is a small consumer package good. The and size and shape of a hockey puck. Exactly. Exactly. And and look at what she put into this and the rewards. Oh my goodness. Why don't we take it? I'm gonna you're gonna have to edit this because so, so, I'm gonna get the work out. You wanna take a look at the work? Yeah. So one one thing I do wanna add though is I think in a modern brief. What I would add here to the brief, the only things that I would add would be on the, on the, I would have the, and this isn't a reflection on her as a brief writer, it's a reflection on the time. There wasn't as much emphasis on tone back then mm -hmm. as there is now. She says fun and reverent, which is fine, but I think a good brand today will have like that tone more spe specified and the other thing is the distinctive brand assets like i would want to have those in there and again that's those are concepts that came after this you know years after this brief was written but distinctive brand assets for kiwi are would be important right like it has the metal tin that it comes in the little flip of the thing the logo the the smell the distinctive smell of the product it has mm -hmm. you know is yep. a distinctive asset so i i think that those things help creatives too and in a 2023 brief for the same product could be in in this brief as short additions yeah let's take a look at just one piece of work that came from this probably i think one of my favorites unpolished shoes are the open fly of footwear did and did I, you did you guys talk about the tagline "Look Sharp"? Was yeah, that something that preexisted, or it was created with the ads? I we did not talk about that, so I don't know. But my guess is, it's new. Yeah, it it, it goes with the whole brief and uh, and uh, mm -hmm. and even that is economical, right? Look sharp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that I, you know, we talk about the fact that. There's no such thing as a perfect brief. And you could pick a couple of nits. I think the word help, help is one of those marketing words. It was in the reasons to believe. Kiwis is a, Kiwi will help you, da, 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 da. But when you, when you get down to that level of picking nits, that reveals how good the brief is. Yeah, I mean, so I didn't even notice it. You yeah, know, well, I, 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 think you're, I think you're right, but I didn't even notice it, so... Well, I've been I've been reviewing this brief for many, many years. So I've looked at it pretty carefully. And I've had if that's like I said, if that's the thing that I complain about, oh my goodness, we've got so much to learn. You know, I also think um I, we hear a lot about how creatives complain not getting good briefs. And it is a rare thing to get a really good brief. I think the Hulu brief that you did for our episode last year, this brief that that Sarah Walker Hall wrote for Kiwi are proof positive that that if you put your mind to it and if you think hard and you dedicate yourself to it, these briefs are possible. I just wish more brief writers out there would dedicate themselves to doing this kind of a brief. The and these are great examples that we can learn from. Yep. I wonder 
and uh, I'm sorry that I missed the conversation with her. I, I wonder because she did work in account management before she went to planning, and I wonder how much, how many briefs she was exposed to, and if the Richards group had a culture of good brief writers, and maybe that rubbed off on her a little bit that her first time out, she was able to produce something. So, because I mean, if, if she had already been exposed to a few briefs and they were that good, then she knew what the bar was, right? Like that's the bar. Right. And, I, and I think that frankly, the problem for a lot of bad brief writers is that they don't know what the bar is. Yes, exactly. Well, her boss is Christopher Owens, who's still there. I'm going to see if we can finagle him to come on our show because he hired her. He roped her in, shall we say, from brand management and had high hopes for her, Thought saw something in her that I think has obviously played out very well. So I'd like to get him to come, come on our show and talk about that. So I think there is a culture of good brief writing over there, and we'd, we'd like to tap in. Oh, I'm sure there is, but I didn't want to just, you know, because like you said, it's her first time out and she writes this great brief. But if you're in that culture and you're exposed to that, that's different. And if you're, mm -hmm. you know, a, a lone self-taught strategist, like I was for many years, right. I don't know what the bar is for a good brief. That's why I started looking for resources like books. And I find this book by some schmuck named Howard Ibach. <laughs> well, you had good taste in books, Henry. <laughs> good stuff, Henry. Good stuff, Howard. He's Henry Gomez. And he's Howard Eibach. And together, we're the Brief Brothers. Till next time. Bye-bye.